are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, said this, No transatlantic power will ever destroy our United States. If we are destroyed, we will be destroyed from within. Really what he was doing, he was quoting Paul. As Paul said to those, that church in Acts 24, Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things. There's going to be trouble from without, but he said trouble within. But here's a president recognized that we won't be destroyed from some other power. In the 50s and 60s, we had the Cold War. I recall that regularly in school, you would hear an alarm, and they would blast that alarm every 10, 12 days or so, and immediately you had to get under your desk. And it was for the fact that the Russians were going to come and invade us and communism was going to fire their missiles at us. That's why the Bay of Pigs in uh, Cuba was so important with Mr. Kennedy. And he said, you're not going to allow, we're not going to allow you, Russia, to bring your missiles to Cuba. And they had the Bay of Pigs in the battle there. I, I want you to know that President Reagan said this, freedom is just one generation away from extinction. We give freedom and we give liberty and we give holiness and righteousness and biblical truth to our children, but if our children don't take up the baton and run with it, then we're going to see this nation collapse. I don't care who, and I do care, but whoever gets elected as president and all these different areas of government, whoever gets elected Tuesday should not affect the church. The church should affect them. Have you ever heard of have you ever heard of presidents or kings or authorities in the Bible that they raised their fist against God and God put them out to a pastor to eat grass? Have you ever heard of a, a king that would not honor God, Herod, and worms came and ate him up? Have you ever heard of some gallows that were built for Haman and for, for Mordecai, but Haman who had him built was hung on those same gallows? God can do anything. God can change anything. God can bring revival. But revival doesn't come to the Supreme Court or to the White House or to the Congress. Revival always comes to the people of God. My people call by my name. Khrushchev, I mentioned uh, the Cold War, and Khrushchev was the man who was in charge of the uh, 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 KJB, and he was the one that was in charge of uh, Russia and communism. And he said boastfully, I'll never forget it, I remember, uh, I remember his words when he said that we will take over America without ever firing a shot. You'll corrupt from within. I think he may be right. Our country tonight and today is on life support. We have rejected God. We have walked away from God. We have allowed God to be shut out of this country. 
The same was true in the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, there was a great man that had just died in the book of Joshua. It was Joshua the leader in chapter 24. He gathered the people of Joshua's day together, Joshua 24, the leaders and the people. And he, 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 in chapter 24, you get a chance to read it, the opportunity to read it this afternoon, read it. And he pled with those people on his deathbed. You're going to have to live for God. You're going to have to choose the gods, the God of Jehovah, not the gods of your society. You're going to have to make a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, though I'm dying, we're going to serve God. My house is going forward with God. And the people, the people of God, and I was, the, the people said unto Joshua, when he said, are you, going to serve, are you going to serve the gods of this society? They said, nay, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, ye have chosen the Lord. Now serve him. Within two years, you get to judges. They had already corrupted. They said, no, we're going to serve God. We're in. We're not going to serve the gods of the Amorites and the Jebusites. We're in. Here's where we are. My Bible says in Judges in chapter number two, and I'd like you to see in chapter two, verse number, verse number um, 16, the Bible says in chapter two, verse eight, let's begin there. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died being 110 years old. Verse 10, there arose another generation after them knew not the Lord, nor his works. Verse 12, they forsook the Lord. Verse 13, they forsook the Lord and served Baal. And the Bible says they did evil, verse 15. And they could not stand against their enemies. Verse 16, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges. Now over 300 years of judges are gonna come and they're gonna be the ones that guide Israel and deliver them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. Yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods, verse 17, and bowed themselves unto them and turned aside quickly out of the way. By the way, revival can come quickly and so does rebellion against God come quickly. And the word of God said, and the Lord raised them up, verse 18, judges. I want to go back to 17. They turned it quickly, which their fathers walked in. It's amazing how fast we have rebelled against our fathers. I believe honor thy father and thy mother is a Bible command all through your life. I left my father and mother over 50 years ago to go to college and then eventually get married. I left father and mother. God gave me a wife and I've claimed to my wife. And so I'm not under the responsibility of obeying my parents. I left them a Bible command. But to the day they died, I honor them. And to this day, as I look every day at their picture, I have different places where I go in our house and a place in my offices and a place in my study and a place in the ready room where I see their picture. And every day of my life in their death, I still want to honor my parents. Where do you get away with this thing where you can tell your parents off? I'm talking to you young adults. Somehow in this country, in the last 10 or 15 years, 
We even have Christian young people. They think they can instruct their parents and yell at their parents. And I want to correct you about something. I'm glad what my dad's body was laid to rest and my mother in that same grave laid to rest about two years apart. I'm glad I could say I never rebuked my mother. I never rebuked my dad. I never told my dad he was wrong. I never instructed my dad. I never uh, 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 caused his disrespect. No, sir. My dad, my dad. Where do you young kids get away, even in Christianity, that the faith of my father is not what I want? You better get back to some heritage. They forsook, that's an amen right there. I know you don't agree with it, but that's an amen anyway. They forsook their fathers. And it came to pass when the judge was dead, verse 19. They returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers. How tragic. How tragic. Today I want to speak to you for these few moments. Let's learn from history. Let's just learn from history. Did you notice there was instant rebellion there, verses 16 and 17? Let's learn from history that we could corrupt so quickly. God raises up judges. And now today as we turn to Judges chapter 3, where we'll bring our message from today, they did not want authority. Judges 17, 6, and the very last verse in the book of Judges both say the same thing. For the theme of the day was every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If I want to destroy a building and set it on fire and go steal a flat screen and steal a computer, I have that right, and now we have government leaders that think they have that right. But that's anarchy. That's lawlessness. That's against the word of God. And to occupy for 130 or 40 days now, something's wrong. And to loot cities and destroy cities and say, well, they have their rights. No, friend, that is called rebellion. The Bible says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That is not loving thy neighbor. That is fulfilling lust of your own heart for your own selfish gain. Here in the book of Judges, these people were doing what was right in their own eyes. They decided they're going to do it their way. What I want us to learn from history today, beginning in chapter 3, is it always begins with compromise. It always begins with compromise. Every judge had to come on the scene when the people began to compromise. Moses had to come off the mountain. He was meeting with God. The man of God was trying to meet with God for the people of God. And after 40 days, he heard this racket and he had to come down off the mountain and he found that his people in less than 40 days corrupted themselves. They made a calf. They took their clothes off. They began to worship and they began to have, the Bible calls it a noise. Their music was as of a noise. They changed their music. They changed the dress. They changed their worship. They changed their attitude. They changed their direction of authority and they all did it their own way. When a nation corrupts herself, when a church corrupts yourself, we must learn from history, there's always compromise. Chapter three, verse five. And the children of Israel dwelt among, here it is. They dwelt among a bunch of, bunch of heathen and the heathen influenced them. Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and they took their daughters to be their wives and they gave their daughters to their son 
and served their gods. That was a direct violation from God's word. And yet they went ahead and they dwelt among them. God's people in 2020, as we approach 2021, we have to stop allowing the world to form our philosophy, our direction, our biblical command from the word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we ought to act different than the world. We ought to look different from the world. We ought to dress different from the world. Say, I don't like that. That's where you get off, Pastor. I don't like that. Well, the Bible says love not the world. The world has a dress. God has a dress, modest apparel. That goes for men and women. I want you to understand today that if your dress and your spirit and your attitude does not look different from the world, then you're just marrying the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Hivites, the Parasites. You're just marrying what you're around. We ought to look different. Say, well, I feel weird. I go in the store and I look weird. I'm not saying that we ought to dress where we're covered from head to toe, that nobody can see our hands. We're just weird. No, but there ought to be an arrangement. Modest means arranged clothing. It's a, it's a clothing that is appropriate. It's not revealing. It's not, it's not dressing for self. It's not trying to be seen. It is dressing for God and for a witness for God. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that they began to compromise. They joined with the heathen. Our country will never be spared if we continue to unite with heathens in our direction, our philosophy, our church work. Pastor, why can't you get along with every church in, in America? Because some believe that you go to heaven through Mary. Some believe you go to heaven by confessing your sins to the pastor or the priest. Some believe that you take the, the, the Lord's table and it turns into the blood of Christ. Some believe that you don't have to get right with God to be saved. No, my friend, when people got right with God, the maniac of Gadara, he left that way and he turned this way and went to God. This thing of, I'm all for, it's, it's not difficult to get saved, but I'm not for easy believism. I'm not for you to say, well, one, two, three, repeat after me. Okay, you're saved. A man must be convicted of his unrighteousness and his sin and his filth. He must be convicted that he's hopeless without Christ and is going to die and go to a place called hell but only looking up to Jesus Christ and if he would be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. Oh, how we see compromise. Paul said it, as I've quoted, Jude said after uh, that, he said, men will creep in also of your own selves. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, that many shall follow their pernicious ways. I know we're in the Silicon Valley. Guess what? I know that. I know where we live. And I know the culture of Northern California and Southern California. And I know it's all about me and the flesh and the sin and the pleasure and chilling out and the beach and all of that business. I understand all that. But the most important institution in the Silicon Valley, it's not Apple, and it's not Yahoo, and it's not Facebook, and it's not Google, but the no, most important place 
in the Silicon Valley is found on Clyde Avenue and Dela Cruz Boulevard called North Valley Baptist Church. This valley needs this church and it doesn't need a compromising church. You have compromise all over the place. We have lying, we have cheating, we have stealing all over the place. You can go online, you can go online, you can go on the news and look straight in the eye of a news camera and you can, uh, and you can lie and they'll say that's, 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 that's truth, that's truth. Oh no, it's not. God's people ought to be different. We cannot compromise. I find out not only did they compromise, I want you to see their calamity because of their compromise. Therefore, verse 8, the anger of the Lord hot against Israel and he sold them. God sold them into bondage. We are reaping in America. We are reaping in America nearly 50 years of killing babies. When I say that, I just can't believe that anybody would run for an office that believed that a baby does not have any rights who has life. You say, well, it's a mother's choice. What about that baby's choice? And now 50 million plus have died at the hands of doctors and mothers in our country. And we think we can sweep that under the carpet. God doesn't see it. America has experienced judgment. Look at our streets. Look at our cities. Look at this pestilence called COVID. And this is just the first one. It's going to continue. There'll be another one. God's word tells us in the last days there'll be pestilence. To think that we have shut down our schools for nearly 250 days and shut down our hospitals. Basically, you cannot get a surgery. Very difficult. We have shut down our churches. We have shut down our way of life and we bought into it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are under the judgment hand of God. The minds of people have been clouded. I see today the compromise. I see the calamity and whatever a life or a marriage or a home or a church or a country compromises, there always will be eventually calamity. Mark it down. We cannot rebel against God individually as couples, as children, as a church, as a county, as a city, as a country without destruction. God always judges. Do you notice here their compromise? Do you notice their calamity? Do you notice the cry? The Bible says in verse number nine, and when the children of Israel cried to the Lord, they cried to the Lord. I'm so very grateful that we have the privilege to cry out to God. As he would take all the judges, you'll find they all have the same, same scenario. They compromise, there's calamity, and then they always cry out to God. I had someone many years ago say to me, Pastor, I want to get right with God. This had to happen 30, 35 years ago. I said, well, let's do that right now. I can't. I said, why? I'll never forget their answer because I have lived as a Christian in such rebellion against God for decades. I'm not going to be one of those people that just sort of get things right 
because I'm now in a tight jam. I said, you're very foolish. I'll never forget it. You are very foolish because God said, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. God wants to hear you when we mess up, when we do wrong. You know who doesn't want to hear you? God's people, oftentimes, they want to attack one another and they know all the garbage and all the guilt and all the problem about everyone's life. But you have not read the Bible where Paul says, so ought ye to forgive such a one, lest he be swallowed up in overmuch uh, over uh, sorrow. Why do we have to, why, why do we have to mind everybody's business? Keep your own life straight. Keep it right with God. Cry unto God. I'm wrong. I'm not right. I would hate to think that a person here would have so lived their Christian life that on a regular basis they're not saying out to God, I've been wrong. My pride today, I've been wrong in my carelessness today. I've been wrong this past week in my neglect of thee. I've been wrong of worrying. I've been wrong of having such fear. I am wrong. How come we can never be wrong? Oh, friend, the Holy Spirit that lives within us, he is going to convict us of sin. That's what it says in the Gospel of John. He will convict you. When was the last time the Spirit of God convicted you of anything? I find that they cried out to the Lord. I love that song, Brother Martinez, in our hymn book, 588. We won't sing it. Lord, let us weep again. Let America weep. America, ladies, tonight, I wonder, I really do, hon, I, I wonder if tonight your ladies' prayer meeting is going to be the pivot for the election. When sweet ladies gather together in the Silicon Valley at 515 to pray tonight, I wonder will it be your prayer that turns the tide in America this week. I wonder if the ladies in the church, you read about the ladies in the Bible. Paul always thanks those ladies, how they labor there. Look at Romans 16 sometime. Look at the first one at the cross. Look at the last one at the cross. Look at the first ones at the tomb. Ladies, thank God for Proverbs 31. Ladies, oh, how we need you right now. Your children need you. This church needs you. I wonder what would happen. If a hundred ladies in that room would pray and more would show up, we have to take another auditorium for another hundred ladies tonight to pray. And we have to take the courtyard with another hundred ladies. We'll have to take this tent, this tent. What would happen if some men tonight got serious about praying before God? I don't believe we do anything for a show, but as these politicians drive in tonight, wouldn't it be great as they're coming in in the dark of the night and they look over there and they hear and they see men praying to God, begging God, and not just a three-second three prayer, but begging God that great things would happen this week in America and that our church would have the touch of God and there might be a revival back in America turning our attention to God. We cry unto God. Oh, my goodness. God's blessed my wife and I so much. I cry out to God for our grown kids, six of them with their mates. Those 14 grandkids, I cry out to God. Oh, the only hope they're going to have in this generation of lawlessness is knowing God. I pray that they be in Sunday school, which they all will be today. Hear the word of God. Long for the word of God. Hear the preaching. Hear the hymns. 
Brother Caleb Galbaugh was praying this morning, great is thy faithfulness. How long for that for my kids and grandkids? I want you to know today that they cried to the Lord. I hope that we'll stop trashing Christianity and cry for Christianity. People that go on the internet and trash Christianity have not shed one tear for Christianity. People that have not shed tears over America have not cried over America and wept over America. I see their compromise. I see today their calamity because of their carelessness. I see their cry. I see their captain. Because God raised up, in verse number nine, a deliverer. And every one of these judges, over 300 years now, God always hears them cry out, and he always raises up a deliverer. Dad, that's what you are for your home. You're the deliverer. That's what you are, sweet mothers, for your home. You deliver those children from the present danger that they could face, and you leave them a great, wonderful, free America and an opportunity to go to the house of God. School teachers, you're a deliverer. Sunday school teachers, you're a deliverer. Professors in the college, you're a deliverer. Pastors on our staff, you're a deliverer. Deacons, you're a deliverer. God always raises up deliverers, and he's raised you up for a purpose, to deliver a generation from bondage where they're heading in so fast. God raised up Othniel, who was related to Caleb, Joshua and Caleb. This man was related to Caleb. What a great heritage. Somehow Caleb must have passed something down. I see number five, and I close, they, they conquered. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, verse 10. They judged Israel, went out to war, and the Lord delivered. The Lord delivered. What do we need to learn from history? Their compromise, their calamity, their cry, their captain, and their conquering. But you notice the next verse. The Bible says in verse 12, and the children of Israel did evil again. He was a judge for 40 years, but after 40 years, they said, we don't like this religion stuff. We're just going to go ahead and do it what is right in our own eyes. I remember this event. You might as well. It was January 13th, 1982. I have flown on this exact plane so many times. It was a 737, a Boeing 737. It was at it was now what is called Reagan International Airport in D.C., and I've been there many times. As it was idling that day, as it was revved up, there's a great cold snap that was there. And the planes, they could see that the planes were being de-iced, and they could see that ice was forming. A Florida flight going to Fort Lauderdale on that January 13, 1982, President Reagan was our president. 
a pilot and a co-pilot. They had five personnel on board, 78 passengers. The co-pilot said to the pilot, we've been sitting here two hours. We haven't been de-iced. And the pilot who really did not know how to fly with ice planes, but the co-pilot had been approved. The pilot said, we'll be okay. Larry, you don't have to worry about it. We'll be okay. They heard Larry said, we won't be okay. He said, I know that that plane over there, you'll see on the tail, there's ice that has formed. You cannot take off with ice. And there was a battle going back and forth. He said, you're worrying over nothing. We'll be fine. We're going to Florida. He said, well, we're not there. We're here. There's ice. It's not a wise thing. They battled that back and forth. Flight 90 was approved for takeoff. And when they approved the takeoff, the co-pilot said, I don't believe we should take off. They started down the runway. They got about 200 feet in the air. All of a sudden, that plane began to just vibrate and shake. The pilot looked to the co-pilot and said, I think we're in trouble. Larry, the co-pilot, said, I know we're in trouble. The next 10 seconds was violently shaking and people were screaming. They began to plunge and descent. It was rapid. As that plane went down that day, Larry said, we're falling, we're falling. And Larry's last words were, I know it. The pilot said, we're not going to make it. He goes, I know it. You know anything about this sea? If you go to the 14th Avenue, you'll find where that plane went crashing in and took the lives of several people in their vehicles. Then it went over that bridge and hit the embankment on the and landed in the Potomac. And when it went in, it submerged itself under those icy waters only with the tail sticking up. Four passengers of the 78 made it out. 74 died. Four of the crew died. One made it out. And people died in their vehicles. Nearly 80 people that day. All because one pilot said, we'll be okay. What he was saying, we're going to do right in my eyes. But you don't know what you're talking about, basically, Larry said. They've heard this all in the black box. You don't know what you're talking about, co-pilot. We'll be okay. And the co-pilot said, no, we'll not be okay. Our great pilot is telling us, you're headed for trouble, America. Church, you're headed for trouble. Oh, no, we'll be okay. 
We don't need Sunday school. We don't need Sunday morning. We don't need Sunday night. We don't need Wednesday night. We don't need all these rules and regulations. We don't need all that. That's a cult. That's this. You can say what you want, but child of God, we are headed for trouble if we don't look up. Why cannot we learn from history? We must learn. I prayed with you today that we would learn from history, my college president would say this. The one thing we fail to learn from history is that we fail to learn from history. If it happened here with all these judges, why do you think we're going to do what's right in our own eyes and be exempt? Well, I don't believe in going to heaven, what you say, realize that I'm a sinner, I'm a good person, but God says there's none righteous. We have to do it God's way. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.